Well, it's good to be with you again here. I've been here before, can you remember? Good, this was ages ago. I don't know when it was, years ago. I think I actually came with the Gideons, but I also remember speaking to the YF. Is that a possibility? Was it a YF maybe years ago? Nobody's shaking their heads, so I just don't know. Okay, good. Good to be with you. Give graphs to you from Ebenezer and Airdrie. You've been wondering why I'm here this morning. Well, in the capacity of, from the Gideon's point of view, we wanted to get some and people who might be interested in joining us. You can see my age, I've been in it for 40 years. So we want some people who were, when I was 40 years ago, in the Gideon's now just to help us get on with the, the job. So I went to see Ivor. He was going to the dentist, he was rushing to get to the dentist, but he'd, I think he'd actually seen you and you don't tell him, but I think he'd forgotten we're coming. Uh, because he was packing the car, I think you know Ivor better than I do. He was packing the car, I think he was going to France, and he wanted to get down to Plymouth that day. So, uh, however, we got ten minutes, quarter an hour with him, uh, got a good chat, and the end result is we're now going to have a dinner uh, on the 27th of this month over in the Hilton. People who might be interested in coming along and who may want to join us in the Gideons. So when he was there, he realised that there was two dates that he couldn't fulfil. One of them was in September, which I couldn't fulfil. Another one was today because he was going to be away preaching. And he asked if I could come and do that. So that's why I'm here this morning. Apologies. I couldn't get either during the week, so it was on his uh, email, on his uh, text. And I've given him the wrong chapter. Sorry, Cameron. I apologise to him. It should really have been chapter one. When I was studying this, the sermon for today, I was way in at the verses of 60 and 65. I knew this was a long chapter. And instead of saying chapter one, I said, instead of saying chapter two, I said it's chapter two instead of chapter one. I was studying in chapter one. Because I was in away in the second part, I thought I was looking up Luke 2. So text them Luke 2, of course. No, there's anything wrong with it. It's great to know about the birth of the Lord Jesus. But I want a completely different message to you this morning. Probably you've never heard this in your life before. I know when I was studying it, I was really enjoying it. I want to speak to you this morning about mothers. Uh, probably Mother's Day would have been a better day to speak on it. But as I see there are some mothers here today. I'm sure there are. And there's famous mothers in the Bible. And I want to speak to you on that from chapter 1. Chapter 1 is long. There's 80 verses. When, it, when Cameron was reading, I was trying to just say to him, turn around and look at me, please, because I know it's a long chapter. I, I wouldn't have been able to read the whole chapter either in the time that we have. There are famous mothers in the Bible. Probably the most famous, of course, is the one we were reading about right a few minutes ago. Mary, the mother of the Lord himself. This was a mother who was a relation of Mary. And in some ways, she was just as privileged as what Mary herself was. For she was a mother of the forerunner of John the Baptist, Elizabeth. A woman who I think was in tune with God. And we'll see that as we speak. A woman who tells us what she is. As I said, it's a, it's a lovely, great story here. It's a long chapter with 80 verses. But we see there in, in verse 57 that when it's time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. And the neighbours 
heard it, they saw that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. You see, this is a happy story. The birth of someone coming into the world, of course, is a happy event. The birth of a child into a family is great for the, the parents, but it also extends to grandparents, to neighbours, to relatives as well. There's an outwardness in the whole thing. And we read here the neighbours shared their joy as well. The birth of John the Baptist as a person before our Lord and the birth of Jesus himself is linked with the relationship of the two mothers, Mary and Elizabeth. These are common names today. I'm sure there might be a Mary or Elizabeth either here or in their family. They're so common. And in, in Bible days, Mary was a common name. Six times over in the New Testament, Mary, the name Mary is mentioned. But Elizabeth is only recorded once here. It was an unusual name in those days. She lived with her husband Zechariah up in the hills of Judea. They were both religious folk, were told. They were a couple who, like Noah in the Old Testament, was righteous before God. They kept the commandments. They were upright. They were sincere people. And we know that Elizabeth was descended from the priestly line of Aaron, as was in fact was Zechariah. And Zechariah's life was spent in the temple. There he worked there daily in that temple as a priest. Now it was normal in biblical days and in these days that sons of the priest, they should marry in-house. There was something like 22,000 in the tribe of Levi. And so they should really marry within that tribe. But it was also the accepted practice that they should have sons who would carry on the family name. Just like so many Arab countries today and Arab people, Arabic people today, they still do that. But both Elizabeth and Zechariah were old. They had no family. And it must have been heartbreaking, especially for Elizabeth. She must have despaired of ever having a child when she was getting to this age. And there was a shame in it because she didn't have a child and especially didn't have a son. But one day Zechariah was in the temple in his usual practice when he received a visit from the angel of the Lord. And that angel spoke to him that day. The angel told him that he was going to have a child. It was going to be a son. And that son had to be called John. He couldn't believe it. <coughs> he wanted proof that this was the case. And we're told because of his disbelief he was struck dumb. And wasn't able to speak again until John was born. And yet when we look at verse 13, we see there that your prayer has been heard, said the angel. You see, they'd been praying for this for years. They'd been asking for a child. And here came the news to tell Zechariah that they were going to have a child and he didn't believe it. Is this not a message for us this morning? How often do we pray, go out in faith, asking God for something? And when we get it, we don't believe it. We wonder, is that be true? Is it true to us that the prayer that we ask for, ask and you shall receive, says the scriptures. And yet when we do get it, 
We say, wait a minute, is this true? The prayer has been answered, but we don't believe it. And it was the same here with Zechariah. However, when Elizabeth heard this news, and remember, the only way she could hear it was the writing on the tablet from Zechariah. She was full of joy. Her patience over all these years had paid off. The prayers had been answered. I'm sure she must have given up hope by this time that she'd ever have a child of her own. And yet we see in Scripture there is a few eminent people who were born from mothers, mothers who had long been childish, what we childless, what we would say today, past their cell by date. They were too old to naturally have a child. What, what was it? People like Isaac, people in the Old Testament like Jacob and Joseph and Samuel and Samson and now here in the New Testament, John the Baptist. And what it did make was their births more wonderful, more miraculous. And what it does show that when God does come and give answered prayer and keeps his people waiting for that prayer to be answered in mercy, he sometimes rewards them even more fully because of their patience and because of that faith and their prayers. And he rewards them doubly as an answer to these prayers. And any parents who are here today, sure we don't need reminding that children are a heritage from God. There are many married couples today who realise this and value the blessings children give. Yeah. They give heartaches as well, of course they do. <coughs> but we'll bring them up in his ways, God's ways. You know, the number of marriages have fallen 50% in the last decade. And that's a pity for people are not honouring the Lord by recognising that marriage is right. And while having a family is a great responsibility, folks, it's biblical to bring them up correctly and righteously as God intended and the joy and the happiness and the blessing that that gives as a result. Wasn't Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I think Elizabeth was a happy person. Certainly when she heard the news that she was pregnant, she said, the Lord has done this for me. She was full of joy, we read. You see, the shame, the humility, the scorn, the disgrace of being a priest's wife, and having no child was now gone. She was accepted by society. She was accepted by her relatives and her family. And they shared in her joy as well. They enjoyed the, the, this great news. Not so for poor Zechariah. He couldn't speak. He couldn't tell anybody about this great news. All he could do was write on that tablet. It must have been annoying. It must have been frustrating for him. And so it was from these very unusual circumstances, Elizabeth knew that God had chosen her to accomplish this miracle. It must have been to her the days of Abraham and Sarah coming back again. They had returned. God was now again seeking out his people. Remember, God had not spoken to the chosen Israel for 400 years because of their idolatry. And they were in bondage. How can they sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And Elizabeth recognized this. 
And so she reveled in it. She enjoyed it. She relished it. This was a happy occasion. This was a promise which had been given by God. And it was, of course, the answer to her prayers. Here was a life who was in tune with God. And as a result of that, God answered her prayer. And he used her and had the privilege of giving birth to this guy called John the Baptist, even in old age. A remarkable man, a great man, John the Baptist. What about us today? Have we been praying for something, perhaps for years, and never getting an answer, or not getting the answer that we want? Is there something in our life that we desire from the Lord, and we've been asking of it from him, and we know that it's his will, and yet we want the prayer answered? You know, no matter our age, no matter who we are, if we desire to do so, he will give us an answer. It might not be the answer that we want, but he will give us the answer. And here was Elizabeth, and she was allowed to have this child because her prayer had been answered. But I want you to see she was privileged in another way. She was, in fact, the first person, even before Mary herself, who confessed Christ as Lord. Her cousin Mary visited Elizabeth when she was about six months pregnant, and she felt her own child move, as if to welcome the child Mary was carrying. Elizabeth, because she was in tune with God, recognized the significance of this meeting and the result of it. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as a result of that explanation, it strengthened Mary's faith. And we read there 10 verses of Mary's song to the Lord as a result of it. And of course, Mary's, come, Mary's visit to Elizabeth blossomed her faith. It helped the both <coughs> the mothers together. So much so that she stayed on for three months until she was ready to give birth. I say this because, you know, visitation's a great thing. There are saints who can't attend the services like this because they're old, or housebound, or even in hospital, or in homes. And you go to see them, and you visit them. And you know, you get a great blessing leaving, because they know so much as well, and they're blessed at us coming to see them. And of course, even though they might be housebound, and know all the news of the church, and all the things that are happening, because that the old phones are gone, Right, right, left and centre, especially in the afternoon on a Sunday. And you know, we get a great blessing from it. And so Mary appreciated this. She acknowledged and felt the bliss that the God himself was fulfilling scripture here. The Lord, the Holy One, was soon to be born. And it's this strong and this thorough faith and belief that shows Elizabeth most prominent virtue and most prominent feature. Yes, she was a happy person. Yes, she was righteous, she was religious, she was godly, but she was a woman who gave God the credit and was in tune with him. She was obedient to his requests, and as a result, she was rewarded for that. I wonder if the Lord's speaking to you today. I wonder if you've ever realized that you need to come and trust him 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that we should not perish but if we believe in him we shall be saved a simple message and we need to have that salvation within us today we need to come perhaps today he's speaking to us and we need to acknowledge who God is we need to be in tune with him that he has provided himself a person in the name and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ his son this could be the day for which you were born it was for Mary I'm sure of that the very reason why she was born that she could give a son to the Lord and it's the same with us this could be the start of the rest of your life today another thing you wanted to consider from this story is the evidence of her belief in what <coughs> God had said she was going to be a mother and that was exciting she was going to have a son and that was even more exciting that was great and that in itself would fill her with excitement and with joy but you know she could have been a little jealous of Mary have you ever wondered about that Mary was young perhaps only a teenager she was old Mary didn't come from the priestly line she did Mary wasn't even married at this particular time at this point and yet God was going to use her to give birth to the Savior it would have been natural for us human for us <coughs> for a bit of jealousy to creep in however while we might say it and while we might ponder these thoughts it never entered Elizabeth's mind in fact it was Elizabeth that gave the title mother of the Lord as I read mother of all mothers Elizabeth was proud she was happy she was favored to know that Mary had come to visit her and praised her for who she was no wonder John in later life could say I must decrease he the Lord the Savior he must increase it's such a godly mother we know today we need to acknowledge godly mothers we need to recognize them what they do and what they have done for us in their life it's sometimes not till later on in their life that we appreciate this and so here was Mary's greatest point in life giving birth to John the Baptist and it was this belief that she had that she knew that she had the strength to speak out for she knew that God had said the boy's name had to be called John you see in the, in the excitement and the joy of having the baby she could easily have been overtaken and overwhelmed by the circumstances round about and allowed the family to name him after the father as was always the custom and I think it took a lot of courage a lot of strength for Elizabeth to speak up and to speak out women didn't have the equality of these days they weren't accepted in society like they are today but she spoke out verse 60 tells us that she wanted to be obedient to God rather than men and she wanted to remember the command which was given six, nine months earlier his name shall be called John so she was prepared to speak out it was God's wishes she wanted to obey him above all else John John you could hear the relatives in the family saying it no one in the family's got that name if Elizabeth's name was unusual 
So was John. There was no John in that family. But today, of course, it's one of the most common names, John, Elizabeth, isn't it? But in these days it wasn't. But it must be a better name than Zechariah. When my son was born 47 years ago, I was telling people I was going to call him Zacchaeus. Of course, I got a laugh at it. There's nobody was called Zacchaeus. Fortunately, it was called Scott. Then he went down to England to live Zacchaeus. So, of course, they turned to the father, because he was the one who had to say it. And when he wrote, his name is John, he was able to speak again, because he had been obedient to the Lord. They were in tune in him, with him. They were obedient to God. And that was important and the most overriding <coughs> in everything and in everyone else. And so the done thing, the accepted practice, the fear of man, what others may think or may say, are all put aside as long as God's wishes and requests are to be obeyed. And it's the exact same today. You can be overwhelmed with things by the pressure, the peer groups, what people that might think and what might say. And I wonder, perhaps, today, like Elizabeth, maybe we're nursing a dream that's died. Maybe it's not for our family, of course. But it may be for that you've been passed over for somebody younger. Or maybe there's a friend or a relative or a neighbour that you're a bit jealous of. Remember, God wants to use every single one of us. He wants to bring the best out in each of us today. But we need to play our part. And so, like Elizabeth, we need to take a stand today by insisting that God is, that he is a sovereign one. He's the absolute one. He is the divine one. The authority, the divine authority of this book. Why do we give out this Gideon scriptures today? Because people need the Lord. It's not just to give out Bibles. We want to see them one for the Saviour. And that's why we do it. And there's no, comp no, no other way his word is doubted today. His word is disregarded today. It's even denied by people today. And yet we believe, don't we, that this word has been, has the, has the, main, the main thing. He has revealed himself in the person of the Lord Jesus. He is the way. He is the life. And it's, he is a great example for us. What an encouraging story Elizabeth is. Today when morality... When the question of family and marriage and the values are being degraded, we may have to go against the flow to stand up for him. You see, the convenient way, the, the usual way, what folk may say, what folk may think, to make our point heard, we <coughs> may just go out and get that mark. Sometimes we might miss it, might be out of tune with God, but we don't want to be today. We're not interested in what people may think or say, or we shouldn't be today. We need to let, let these people in the story, folk like Elizabeth, folk like Mary, folk like Zechariah, and of course the Lord himself, who made God first in all the things, and gave him the thanks for all he did. And so as we pause today, and looked at a mother called Elizabeth, may it help us to be in tune, and keep in tune, with the one who is the source of all power and all strength. Elizabeth, God is ours today, or should be, and hopefully all of us is his. And Elizabeth, God is there to give us the same joy, the same faith, 
the same determination, the same courage as she had, if we want our lives to count for him. <coughs> we are his examples. We are walking, talking Christians, and we look to Christ to give us these things. Having a consistent life, cultivating godly habits, and knowing like Paul, as he said in his word, if God is for us, who can be against us? Today, if you've never as yet felt this love that Jesus gives for us, then why not turn to him, come to him now? That's the whole purpose of being here today, to preach the word, to tell you about the Lord, and to know that there is a great example in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we turn to him, and may we come to him, and may we give him his our all, because he's the one who deserves it, and to him we give all praise and all glory. Amen.